Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 62 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes and the host of this show. You can follow the show on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes365. And you can follow my co-host, Andrew McQuiston, who will be on here in a few minutes at AMCQ82. You can join our Facebook group, Baseball365. That is where you can connect with myself, Andrew, and many other people and discuss baseball. Over there, baseball does live 365 days a year. We are always have there are posts going on every day about what's going on in the baseball world. Fantasy teams, dynasty teams, trades, league openings. If you're not in a league or a dynasty league, you're wanting to get into a new one. There's always stuff going on over there. And you also, the best way you can support the show is by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, a five-star rating, I should say, or whatever podcast platform you listen, whether that's Google Play, Stitcher, what what else is there, the Spotify Whatever it is you listen, if you would give us a five-star rating and if you were to tweet myself or the podcast, I should say, at Baseball365Pod or send me a message on Messenger and just send me a screenshot of that rating that you gave, I'm going to add you into a drawing. And at the end of February, we're going to draw a name and whoever we draw, we're going to send a Baseball365 t-shirt to. So even if it's just to try to win a shirt... Leave us a review. You'll be doing us a favor, and you might get a shirt out of it. This is episode 62, like I said, and Andrew and I are back for part two of the shortstop rankings as of on ADP on the NF, through the NFBC site. So enjoy. Next up, we see a bit of a break between shortstop picks at this point, and the next shortstop we see isn't until pick 132, which there are two of them going back-to-back. That's Elvis Andrews at 132 overall and Ahmed Rosario with the Mets at 133. So, Andrew, these guys are a pick apart. Would you rather have one over the other? Probably just the one that I could get later i i actually think andrews is a solid buy here at 132 and i think rosario is interesting if you just want to play the upside card i mean i think he has a little bit more of it than andrews but there's more of a solid base around andrews so kind of depends on my previous picks are you worried at all about andrews's tough second half he was hitting 300 in the first half, and the second half, he only hit 242. It was a big drop-off in production for him. No, not specifically. I haven't I haven't looked into the first half, second half too much with him. Doesn't look like the BABIP was anything crazy. It was obviously lower, but whew, 40, 49 WRC plus, huh? I did not know that. So yeah, he was rough in the second half. As somebody yeah, who man. traded for him in my auction league where I was terrible and 
needed to get a shortstop. I traded for him midseason. Even I wasn't even buying that first half, but just hoping for not too big of a drop off. And well, I got a huge drop off. Yeah, I feel like with guys that are, I'm still trying to figure out who they are. I would worry about that more. Or guys that are like 35, 36, 37, you know, older guys. And he doesn't really fall into either category. So first, second half split, I don't know. I don't really read too much into it. Yeah. Well, what about Ahmad Rosario's 2019 season? My first reaction looking at his stats this last year was kind of looks like a poor man's Tim Anderson. Does that make sense? Maybe a little bit. I think it's a little bit different, but yeah, Rosario is just, he's steadily improving. His O swing, swinging strike rate, hard hit percentage all have been increasing each year. Definitely there's room for growth. But I mean, if he is what he is, it's kind of boring. Like if he just kind of flat levels out and doesn't keep getting better. It's kind of boring, but yeah, I mean, he, he still obviously has that type of potential. I mean, he's, what, 23, 24, somewhere in there. He's still really young. 24. So, yeah. And he's always been kind of a highly rated prospect. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know. He's he's kind of a weird case because I, I don't feel like he's a really good hitter. But I also recognize that he, like I mentioned, he's kind of just improving steadily. So... If he keeps that going, it could get really interesting. Okay, well, we'll move on to the next two shortstops, whose ADP also are a pick apart, and that would be Corey Seager at 153, and then the next pick is Jorge Polanco at 154. Seager definitely has the bigger pedigree, but Polanco had the bigger year last year. So of these two, which would you rather have? Probably Seager. I think I would uh, buy just just based on kind of how I've always felt about Seager. I do think it's close. Polanco's probably more likely to hit near the top of his lineup, so I, you could probably argue that for him. 107 runs scored last year for Polanco and four war. If you ever told me Polanco would have a four war season, I would have called you nuts. He had three <laughs> He had 3.2 entering last year, career. So, yeah, I think I'd just go with it with Seager, but I, it's kind of it's a coin flip as their ADPs kind of show. So, yeah, take your pick. And concerning Seager, last year we were saying why take Correa when you could take Seager 30 picks leg later, and Seager played more games, but man. His stats overall have not brought a lot of excitement last year. 19 home runs and a 272 average. And is it time to start fading his dynasty upside? Or do you think there's still something in here that says we could should still be believing that there's an untapped ceiling that we haven't seen yet? Yeah, the upside has changed, I think. I still have a share of him. I think it's more of a floor player at this point. There's nothing that really, really sticks out, but I still think he's a pretty good hitter that's going to have a job, going to hit, you know, 
and it's not like power and speed. There's there's not a ton there. There's really no speed, but I still think that he's he's all right. I mean, it's just a little closer to average than he's been viewed at in the past. I think that's pretty clear, though. Yeah. And he did miss a little bit of time last year. So that 19 home runs, let's say, gets another 15, 20 games in. He could be right there around 23, 24. I think that's why Steamer's got him projected for 23 home runs this next year. So that if, if he could stay on the field, that would help him. And yeah. like moving on to Polanco, his stock went up this last year with a 295 batting average and a 356 on base percentage. 22 home runs, but only four steals. And he did have an ankle thing bothering him and had a procedure this offseason. And I would imagine most Polanco owners are hoping that that helps him run more. But I'm personally not too excited about that as he's 11 for 21 in stolen base attempts in the last few years. But that said, he's a good hitter and he's hitting in a good part of a loaded Twins lineup. Feels like a good source of run, soar, run scored, and I think of the two, I didn't answer this before, I think I'd rather have Polanco personally, but don't have a, I mean, you could make an argument for either yeah. one. Yeah, I don't feel, I feel like with that, I'm probably just waiting whichever one falls farther yeah. type of thing. I do that a lot of times. If, if I'm sitting there and those two guys are on the board, Take if another I position. Miss, yeah, and if I miss both, I'm not. It's not like one where I'm kicking myself. Probably, I'm just gonna go to the next tier. You know. Yeah. There's a lot of those situations in drafts, and I'm. That's probably where I'm at with those two guys. If I could get one around after the other one, I'd probably just rather have that. I haven't come close to drafting either one of them in any of my drafts so far, mocks or real drafts. I just. I, I kind of feel like well, if I get to their spot, I'd rather just keep moving down. And most of the time, I've already filled my shortstop, so it'd be a middle infielder. And then I'd, I more don't mind waiting, as I see a lot of in-game middle infielders I like. Okay, uh, next here, we got four more shortstops going within 15 picks of each other between 189 and 204. And that would be Gene Segura with the Phillies at, at number the 20th shortstop. Kevin Newman, 21, and we did discuss him already on the second base podcast. Cardinal shortstop Paul DeYoung, and then we got Didi Gregorius at 204. So, Andrew, let's say you've waited uh, uh, waited on shortstop and went down a little further, and you decide you're going to take one. Which one on this list do you feel best about? I think of these guys, I'm taking Segura. Pretty sure. Yeah. What about what about you? I don't know. I think I'm probably going Newman, but really, yeah. I I know that he's not going to hit for the power, but I think he probably. I I think I would project him for a little more speed. Board bet and more dollars earned. Sure, why not? We'll throw yeah. that in there. I'll take Newman and dollars earned. You'll take Segura. Yep. Okay. You're on. It's an, it's an official bet, right? Yep. You want to know their projected dollars earned? Sure. You actually, you don't want to know after you made the bet. (laughs) 
Gene Segura, 12.6. Kevin Newman, 1. Well, Although, I don't know. What are his, is his? Yeah, he's projected for a full season base. Well, not quite a full season. So I guess it's a little off, but. 16 and 13 for Segura. Man, 16 home runs. That's an aggressive projection there on that. The steals have dropped off this this last year, and I I remember warning want, people. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, okay. I remember warning people about his steals this time last year, and I think it was he was only twenty for thirty one in attempts, and I worried that the steals could drop. And I think I even said I could see him being in the twelve range, and he stole ten. But that said, he was had a much higher success rate. He was only caught twice. So it's hard, but that said, it's hard to get excited personally about a guy that goes 12 and 10. But I, I, I personally think if I'm going to wait at this point, I'm just going to wait a little further and take Andrelton Simmons personally. I know Segura has got a little more upside in him, but I think I'd rather just wait on the floor if I'm going to take a guy like that. Yeah, as a guy who owns Segura in Rotomasters 2, I could tell you what I think happened last year. I think he was hurt. Okay. And I think that a lot of that, he had net various hamstring, heel, and ankle injuries throughout the year. And it didn't cause him to miss a lot of games, but there was a lot of times where he would leave the game and just didn't look like himself, like he was healthy. I watched decent amount of Phillies games too so uh it just I don't know I I don't have I've never really had any uh thing where anything telling me that you know it's just my vibe on the whole the whole situation I just felt like all year he was just beat up and playing trying to play through it and it hurt his performance and I think he's going to bounce back this year you know, I was listening to a podcast today, and I felt like I heard almost the exact same thing said about Lorenzo Kane, in terms of lower body injury that really bothered him all year, and they were expecting a bounce back. Almost word for word what you just said they were saying about him. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, there, if there's truth to that, then, yeah, he could definitely provide better stats because you got things hampering ha- bothering you for the, during the year, obviously. That can affect your statistical output. Um, moving on in this group, I have a question. I wondered myself after looking at Paul DeYoung's fan graphs page, why does his batting average keep falling? I mean, he hit 285 in 2017 and it's dropped down to 241 two years ago and 233 last year. His hard rate has improved. His strikeouts have fallen each year and his walk rates keep improving, but his batting average, which is fluky, but it keeps falling. I've got nothing. Do you have anything? Any clue why this is going on, Andrew? At 285, 241, 233. I haven't looked into his uh, batted ball data too much, so I don't have much on DeYoung, really. I've always kind of just, I've always kind of viewed DeYoung as like, you know, whether right or wrong, I've just always viewed him as, Low, pretty much just a power guy at the mm-hmm. field. Low average, almost kind of like Jonathan Scope, like how we used to think of Jonathan Scope. And I've just never, I'm not really interested in that profile at all. But yeah, if you're light on power, 
in this range. I mean, 25, 19, 30 home runs in his three seasons. A couple of those where he didn't play full year. So that's pretty good. I mean, for power in this spot, definitely. It's just not really a guy that I'm interested in because of the batting average and the basically zero steals. He did give, he did have nine steals last year. So, uh, yeah, which again, that could be the new manager. It's weird. You know, in 2017, when he had the breakout, he had a 28% strikeout rate and a 4%, 4.7% walk rate. And I wasn't too interested in him. Both of those stats year after year since have improved to where it's jumped to where he was 22% strikeout rate and only nine and a 9% walk rate this last year to where when I look at that kind of stuff, I'm thinking, man, he must be improving. But I just, I don't get the batting average and I would expect it to be higher this next year to where, yeah, I think I would, I maybe I'd take him in the spot after really thinking about it. He might be the guy to take here. His Babips dropped each each of those years too. Yeah, three forty nine, two eighty eight, two fifty nine. So weird, despite the fact that the hard hit rate is up. So I I don't know. Hashtag baseball. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Didi. You know, Yankee Stadium was built for guys like him. And he had a nice run in New York, but now he's in Philly. What are your thoughts on him now that he's not going to be calling Yankee Stadium home? Pretty similar to what to what he's been. I don't I don't think that it'll change too much. I mean, the lineup's not quite as good, but it's still good. The hitters park isn't quite as good, but it's still good. And. Most of the stuff with him, aside from the injury, it's been pretty consistent the last few years. So I think he'll probably be solid in batting average. Not anybody that's going to help you, but not really hurt you either. Solid in power and counting stats. He'll play. Not going to lose his job or anything like that. But he's just solid but unspectacular, really. I think Steamer's projection on the home runs, 24, I would definitely take the – I shouldn't say definitely. That sounds stronger than it should be, but I'd be taking the under on that. I think he's going to be closer to 20 to 22, maybe even high teens. I'm just – I don't know. Yankee Stadium, that you hit the ball in the air, and it's like a jet path out there. Right? I think it's going to make a bigger impact personally. But Yeah, I'd have to look at the park factors. I, yeah, I definitely know what you're saying. I mean, yeah, Yankee Stadium's like – for lefty, lefty power, it's obviously great. I think I could I, stand at home plate and throw a ball straight up in the air, and it'd still go into the right field bleachers. Yeah. <laughs> so, probably, it just seems like it's a right jet path there. Yeah, you're probably probably right on that. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to the next tier, 24 through 30. I'm going to list off a bunch of guys here. We got John Birdie for the Miami Marlins. He Already discussed him on the third base podcast at 24. Dansby Swanson's at 25. Nico Goodrum's 26. Willie Adamas with the Rays is 27. Carter Keboom is at 28. David Fletcher's 29. And Luis Urias is at 30. And a few of these guys we mentioned already, we've already talked about also Nico Goodrum, David Fletcher, Luis Urias. But I want to start off talking about Keboom here. 
I don't think we've discussed him much at all this offseason. And their G, the Nats GM, Mike Rizzo, is saying that Keeboom's going to compete for a third base job. And while he had a solid year in AAA, hitting 303 with 16 home runs in 109 games, you know, he had a cup of coffee last year. Didn't really go too well. It was only 11 games. But Mike Trout also struggled in his first stint in the bigs. How, Andrew, how much hope should people have in Keeboom getting the role early this year? But more importantly, one, if, he, if and when he gets one this year, how's he going to produce? Are you, are you saying Keeboom's Mike Trout? Yes, that's exactly what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to hit 30 home runs and steal 52 bags. Bank on it. I think he's going to have a role, and we'll see how he does. I I don't know. I, I think he's just another one of these young kids that could struggle or could take off. And honestly, I don't know which one it'll be, but I do think he's going to play. So that's obviously a positive, and you just kind of go from there. Would you? Uh, is he the guy you'd be taking on this list, just shooting for the upside? Or would you rather have somebody else? Because at this point, we're talking end of the draft, probably one of your last starters. Yeah, I think Swanson and Adamas are fine, kind of what they are, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't I don't really know what Keeboom's upside even is, though, for, for 2020. I, I don't know if I think it's much higher than what those guys should do, so... Yeah, they're all just kind of middle infielder types to me. I do think Keeboom will probably wind up with corner infield eligibility. So whether or not you think that matters, I think he's going to play third a fair bit. Because Starlin and Trey, I mean, they're going to play. And the hole is at third now that Rendon's gone. So that's where I think he's going to play. Yeah, just as far as his production, I'm just I'm just not really sure. I mean, he's always hitting the minors, but he obviously struggled kind of in the majors. So just getting adjusted there. Everybody, it's kind of different paths, you know. It's like some guys do it right away and some don't. So, and how many home runs? I'm not asking you this literally, but how many home runs can you expect from him? It's not it's not like in the minors he's shown a very old anywhere near an elite number. To where I just, I don't, the, the, like you said, the upside, maybe, maybe this will be the year he turns it on and hits 25, 30 home runs. But I think if you told me you start an opening day and got 600 at bats, I'm probably still only projecting like high teens and home runs. Yeah, I just looked. Adamas and Swanson are projected for 18, both of them. Yeah. I think, I think Keyboom can top that. But I also think if he hits in the 20s, that's a really good season. Mm-hmm. So, and I definitely wouldn't be like expecting that. So, yeah, I think I, I think he's going in the right range. As, and as far as who I'd take of this group, probably one of those three. Because I think that the other guys, well, Goodrum will play, but I think the other guys are a little bit more likely not to, or, you know, play on and off. Yeah. Not too many guarantees here. 
Uh, we'll move on to 31 through 40, and I'll just list them all off. We've got Angleton Simmons, Jose Peraza, Freddie Galvis, Nick Ahmed, Nico Horner, Chris Taylor, Jorge Mateo, J.P. Crawford, Nicky Lopez, and Miguel Rojas. So, any of these guys you want to talk about? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, just because the the well, the list is just so strong at the top. I mean, obviously, guys like Horner and Mateo are young. You would hope that they would get some playing time. I I don't mind Mateo if he's free. I mean, if he wins the job, that speed's going to play. I know he has issues, but other than that, I mean, I think he's probably the most exciting guy of these guys. Simmons is solid, spectacular. And I think Peraz is interesting if he gets regular playing time, but I'm just not sure he will. So it seems kinda, like when you're when you're in this spot, I always say it, but it's just take your guy and go with it. So kind of feel the same here. It seems like Peraza, Chavis and Moreland are all just going to take playing time from each other to give none of them much value. What about Nico Horner? I mean, you're a Cubs fan. What are you expecting from him going into this year? Didn't they just sign somebody like Kipnis to a minor league deal? Yeah. Yeah. Today. I think that if I had to bet on it, I think Horner's going to start the year in the minors. So, I don't do know. Think, I oh, Go ahead. What was the question? Do you think Kipnis is going to be their starter? David Bodie? I could see it being either one, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Horner will be in there, you know, soon. I may not be. It just may not be opening day. I don't know. I, I don't know how fantasy-friendly Horner's going to be, really. So, I'm just mm-hmm. – not real excited. I definitely think he can hit, but I power and speed. I just, I just don't know, especially right out of the gate too. You know, it's just, that's why I'm just not crazy about, I mean, like I said, in this, I look at this list and I just see 80 grade speed out of Mateo. And I just I'm like, well, if I'm this late, why not? But if you're looking for at bats, he might be the last guy to take because, you know, Ahmed's going to get at bats, Peraza, Simmons, it's just filling out your roster. These are all. These are reserve run picks. You're getting yeah, somebody for upside. Half these guys aren't even going to be drafted probably. So, Correct. Well, I have to mention number 41 in ADP, which is Wander Franco. And, Andrew, what percent chance would you give Wander Franco appearing in a major league game this year? That's a fun one. What percent chance? I'll say 25%. That says something, given it's Tampa Bay that he plays for. But I, think you could argue, I think you could argue it's higher than that. I don't even know what I'd set it at. I think I probably am going to be lower than you. But it just goes to me not trusting Tampa Bay as much as anything, but he's, he's a special best, he's hitter. The, yeah. He's the best prospect in the game. I mean, yes, I'm not going to put it too low, you know, he goes he up the, to double, he goes up to double a and starts hitting and 
Brandon Lau and Adamas are struggling and they're a good team. I mean, I'd set it about 25%. So that I means could, you're... I could see it being 30 to 40. I could also see it being 10. I mean, I don't know, you know, but that's my, that's where I'd put it. That means you're definitely taking him in a draft and hold league. Maybe. Uh, you could always say one of those end game spots because... Well, let me put it this way. I bet there's somebody in every draft and hold league that's probably going to take him earlier Absolutely. than you, you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, well, there's somebody in every – he's going to go, but, I mean, I don't have to take – like, there's other guys I'd rather take flyers on. Yeah. We but talked the about – the question it. is, what's the percent chance he plays? I mean, I just – I think it's a, just a mistake to think there's no way. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's – Obviously, a special hitter. Tampa's a good team. I mean, I was thinking, I was talking about it last year. And I know, mm-hmm. I knew when I was talking about it, I knew when I was talking about it for the record that it was out there. It wasn't something that was even really being discussed. But, you know, you start seeing half a season, three quarters of a season of mediocrity out of Brandon Lau and. Willie Adonis. I just don't think that those guys are that good. I think that they're just okay, you know? And yeah, I mean, I, I can see Wander beating the doors down. Yeah. Late in the year. I mean, right at, right at the end, you know, late in the season. I, I could definitely see it. I'd imagine they're going to start him in high A still, but it might only be for a couple weeks. They, yeah. I, when did he get up? End of July? It was, oh, yeah. We talked about yeah. this around All Star break. Right around, yeah, right around All Star break. I just forget exactly what dates it was. I want to say, I want to say it was late June, maybe late July. I can't remember. Anyway, I I took Julio Rodriguez real late in that draft and hold league, and I think there's even less of a chance he's up. But I'm still, I still took him just because. Hey. You, you take the shot just in case, and if not, you're taking – it's an in-game pick as long as you didn't draft too many prospects. Um, 47's Royce Lewis. Same question as above. What quest, what percent chance would you give him a coming up? Minnesota's got a lot of talent. That's where I, I would think it would probably take an injury or two, maybe even two or three. Yeah, I'd put it at about 10 to 15%. Yeah, I don't you know, I don't think he's coming up at all. Like I, he'd have to absolutely just tear the cover off the ball, which he could, but he's coming off of a down year, and I just I don't think he's coming up this year, personally. Yeah, with Wanda Franco, we're not really too worried about production. I think everybody's com- convinced he's going to be out there producing at a pretty high level. How high we don't know, but at a high level, Royce Lewis did just come off of another down year after a rough second half of 2018 to where there's more at play there with him. Well, last yeah, question. Also, I, I also just feel like that the, the twins are not as in need. Mm-hmm. I, or I shouldn't say that because the Rays are really good, but I feel like that the options that Franco would be replacing – are, he's just better. He's better than them, period. Mm-hmm. And Royce probably is eventually, but I just don't think it's as imminent that he's better than Polanco and Arias. Yeah. If they're and healthy, I mean, 
They're also, they're fine. Also factoring in that Wander's better than Royce. You know, yes. I you know, it's just kind of adding all that up. But yeah, I think I think it's more of a chance that Wander's up this year. So going down the rest of the list, is there anybody, any other shortstops you even want to follow this year to possibly even be just waiver ads? Because I was looking down it and I didn't see anybody. I definitely wouldn't rule out Cole Tucker if Newman struggles. I definitely think that Newman could struggle and Cole Tucker's a good shortstop to where he could easily get at bats and be relevant. But obviously, you know, this is, we're talking real late pickup in a regular league. Nobody you're drafting. No, not, not anybody else too much. I don't think anybody, uh, Anybody you see? Uh, you know, as I'm just scrolling again, Miles Straw, if he could ever get moved to another team. Yeah, yeah. That's he'd be one. interesting. Or if there were injuries and he could get himself into some regular playing time. That's a guy who can hit, take walks, and runs really well to where, yeah, that would be my one pick in a draft and hold league. I would grab him just in case things went wrong. Wonky in Houston, and he found himself getting some playing time. Okay, well. Let's take a break here, and when we get back, we've got a few listener questions we'll go over, and we'll just wrap the show up. All right, Andrew, time from what the game I've enjoyed asking you at the end of this. Uh, fill in the blank. The shortstops that I'm most likely to draft around or above their ADP this year is blank. Well, I already drafted Trey Turner, so I guess I have to say him. I will say Obashed, Carlos Correa. And probably, I don't know, maybe Segura, where he's at. And then Mateo for free or watching him if he gets the job. Yeah, those are all good ones. And, I yeah, Trey is definitely up there. Lindor, if I could get one of those five to seven range picks, I'm getting one of those two, I think. Uh, Trevor Story, I think if I pick in the late first round, and I don't feel quite comfortable with a pitcher, and he's there. I might take him, but then again, I'm probably getting a pitcher. Maybe if I pick 12, 13, 14, he slipped just a bit, but I also put this as at their ADP. But it's probably not those. Fernando Tatis, if I have a late pick, I'm probably taking him in the top of the second round. Um, beyond that, Bo Bichette's definitely on my list. Machado, if I want to play him at short, but if I'm guessing if I draft Machado and put him at third base, Correa is definitely on that list for me this year. Tim Anderson, I think I could see myself taking him. And beyond that, Polanco, Newman, I think is a cheap option. That's about it. Okay, well, next question then. The shortstops I'm staying away from at their current ADP. 
That's a tough one because as I go down the list, I really. Yeah, it's it's a hard one this year. I like I like all. I mean, they're all really good. I. I'm probably not putting all my steals on Mondesi, so yeah, that may be like VR and Mondesi. I I don't know if I'm buying those guys in their spot really, but I get it if if you want to. I get it. Just I'm probably looking to do to get my steals in a different way. So I would probably say them, but if you've made the right picks for your first couple or you have a plan as a workaround to get those guys in there. I mean, I, I understand it. So yeah, I don't really, I don't really hate any of these picks. I mean, as you go down it, it's like (laughs) good player, good player, good player. Yeah. They're just, they're just all really good, but I think it kind of points just to the idea, like we mentioned at the top that you can kind of just attack it how you want. And I, I've seen some really good guys following what they do in these redraft redraft leagues, like a lot of NFBC leagues and stuff, how they're attacking their draft. And they're not taking shortstops early. There just aren't. I've seen a lot of guys do that when I'm looking at them. And Yeah, I don't know. I'm starting to really uh, think about taking pictures and stuff earlier and more scarce positions and stuff like that. Just, I think redraft is very, very different than dynasty. I know that's kind of self-explanatory and you probably agree on that, but when it's a one year sprint, it's just a lot different. I think it's fine to wait, but like, like we said, these, these top guys are really good. So. You know, the position I tend to find myself waiting on more than you or most people's outfield. I tend to, because I kind of feel that way about that position also. And I'm, I see a lot of those guys later that I really like and shortstop. I'm getting aggressive on getting one of the early guys at another deep position that I view. But, um, like you said, the top 15, good player, good player, good player. The, the one I'm probably least likely to take is Marcus Simeon at 87 overall. Just he came off of a great season. I probably have to see him produce at that level again before I'm quite ready with seeing all the guys around him. So he would be mine. But again, I'm not going to sit here and bag on somebody that takes him because the position's great. Okay. Um, next up, listener questions. We got a couple of them that I was going to close out with. And Kevin Obarski asked us, given the depth at short, how long in a redraft would you feel comfortable waiting to take a shortstop? And I think we've answered this quite a bit, except I don't know if we ever gave an actual number. So for a starting shortstop, about how far would you go, Andrew? If I had a loaded team, I could see going all the way to down to about where De Young and DDR. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's 22-23 among shortstops. And just would would you, do you think in that scenario you'd have already filled your middle infield I, too? I, I guess you I, wouldn't have. I should have mentioned I could see myself drafting Andrews this year at one thirty two. Yeah, I, I know that there's going to be guys I'm 
going to take shots on over the course of the draft. And I just feel like he's safe enough and cheap enough that, yeah, I could see myself going there too. And he gives you some, some steals. I mean, I don't know if it'll be, it won't be 31 probably like last year, but, but yeah, I'm comfortable with, I'm comfortable ways down. So. You sound hotter on Andrews than you were last year at this point. I don't remember you like talking negatively about him by any means, but you definitely sound hotter on him at his price this year. Well, I just I just think it's a good price, but Yeah. And that's something that you're really good at in terms of you I've seen you hate a player one year or love a player, and then the next year you hate him and it's strictly I mean, you still have pretty similar view on the player. It's just the price got out of hand. I, that's something that I respect that you do in terms yeah, of there's there's guy. I mean, it's all about the price. I mean, that's what everything is, but I'll admit, I mean, there's guys you're going to always push to get that you really want or whatever. But yeah, I mean, if I'm speaking negatively, who were we just talking about the other day? And I can't even, I'm trying to think, was it, was it Victor Robles or it wasn't on the, not on the podcast in the, one of the group chats or something. And I just, I remember I was saying, I have nothing against him. It's just, the, yeah. I just don't like his price. Yeah, and when, that's, and when it was him. if he starts going, if he starts going next year in round eight or nine, or, you know, if it drops, then I may totally do a one eighty. I feel like I've done that with guys, but yeah, a lot of it, uh, a lot of it, it just has to do with that. So, Okay. Last question. Chris Winder. At their values, Keyboom, Horner, or Mateo, who would you take? At where they're being drafted in. Correct. It's got to be Mateo for you, right? Well, Mateo is. Yeah. Yeah, it would be Mateo. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying you'd take them straight up, but you, I still wouldn't rule that out completely. But yeah, well, I've, he's he's going last. <clears throat> excuse me, he's going last of the three by a lot. Which which in this spot of the draft is not a huge deal because they're all going late. But I think that in a perfect world for each of those three, he's the most unique. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's not going to cost you anything. The only way Mateo is going to start costing anything is if you get into spring training and he wins the job. Yes. That's it. That's the only way. And But believe me, whatever you think of Mateo, when he wins, if he wins that job, it's going to be a mad scramble to get him. Everybody's going to want him. Everyone's going to be bidding on him, picking him up whatever you want to call it. I mean, whatever your league, whatever's going on within your league. But, yeah, everybody's going to be trying to get him because the speed. I mean, it's just, like, no-brainer, you know. We haven't talked to Mateo much on here, but you and I have talked about him a lot over the years. And I know you're higher on him than I am. I've ha- I've gone up and down with him over the years. I thought his price was too low in Dynasty at this point last year, and I got a share in game of a – 
dynasty startup and I saw his value shoot up and down. I'm not, I, I really am skeptical if he's ever going to hit, but there is upside there. And I agree with you of these three, I'm taking him just cause I'm going to shoot for the upside. I'm not optimistic, but again, if I heard he had the job, that's probably, I, I would love to have him so I could float him because I think somebody would be willing to pay a price. I've got somebody who's tried getting him off me in dynasty this off season a couple of times. And we have never come to a trade cause I just haven't seen something come back of value, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, he's a, he'd be he's interesting. A definitely a, he's definitely a tough one because I do kind of feel like you know, obviously, there's a lot of questions with just the hit tool and all that stuff. But steals are steals, and when they're this free, I mean, if he gets an opportunity, and I, I believe he's out of options. Yes, so him and Beretta both are. He should be if he isn't getting an opportunity on opening day going to be sometime this year i just don't know how it wouldn't be so yeah yeah i'm very skeptical of him and Beretta when it comes to the hit tool to where i don't know if either one of them i can i i would project them both to finish under 350 400 at bats i just i think the job is going to get bounced around to where they'll both get shots at some point this year to where if mateo does hit and i'm wrong then yeah, he'll. I, I fully believe he'll get a shot. Okay, um, thought we'd close off. I got an auction going on right now, and you got your Rotomasters dra- um, draft and hold going or a sub draft going on, and we'll talk about that. We get like we've said before, we've got a sub first year player draft podcast. We'll be talking about, but thought we'd talk about the auction real quick. Just kind of mention where we're at. Where I think of the. 425 picks that are being made. We have made, or no, it's 345 players are auctioned off. We do our, the, all the starters during the auction. And then we do a snake draft for the reserve rounds. So we're about two thirds of the way done right now. 203 players selected. So we're nearing the end game. And like I said before, I did take Mondesi with my, as my first player taken kind of funny but um looking at my roster have you i guess i haven't shown it to you but i've been talking to you a lot about it i'll just shoot down the list and if you got any thoughts on any of these guys you can share them i did get my first catcher with christian vasquez at two bucks paul goldschmidt at first base at 23 i did i bought mike mistakas at 16 and then my outfielders i got uh, George Springer at twenty four dollars, uh, Max Kepler at fifteen, and our boy Michael Brantley at twelve. And I did take Jose Abreu as a corner for eighteen. And then my pitching staff—that's what I'm more proud of. I got Steven Strasburg for twenty seven bucks, and his teammate Corbin for twenty two. Then I got Montas and Freed as my three four, and then I've got Craig Kimbrell so far as my only closer. As we're finishing this up, I still got to get another closer, but. As I've been going through with the through this, what have your thoughts been as I've been talking to you about it, Andrew? Anybody you like or don't like on that? It's okay. It won't hurt my feelings. I'm just still laughing that Walter nominated Max Fried out of the game. <laughs> yes. Walter, so knowing funny. how much I've talked about him, yes, he threw him. Did he tell you about that or did you just did no, you hear it from you, me? You told me about it and then I was messaging him and I said, 
or I just made a joke about it that I heard you nominated Max Freed. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. I got him back on that. I don't know if I told you. Let me. Who was it? It was a player he didn't even get. Or maybe he did get. I'm trying to look at his roster. But there was somebody I knew he loved, and I threw him out. Oh, I know. It was um, Charlie Morton. I know he loves Charlie Morton. So I the next time I was up for an auction spot, and I had just taken some pitching, I'm like, screw it. I'm going to get him back. And I threw Charlie Morton out there. And sure enough, he bought him 22 bucks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I felt like I got a little payback there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like... I like the Goldschmidt buy, and I don't remember. Oh, Strasburg, yeah, obviously. I you like said the Gold- my piece on him many times. Yeah, I think Goldschmidt's valued. It's nice value this year. So, huh. honestly, I didn't expect to hear that. Um, I don't know why. I'd, I thought what I knew I th- twenty three. Twenty three. What was the Eighteen. So yeah, personally, I, like, I was I like, more proud of Bray, the yeah, Bray. I like, I like a Bray better. Yeah, out of those I think two. I, I think I might have went a little high on Mustakis at sixteen, seeing what went around him. But I, I, I don't care. It may have been a buck or two more. I like the power and the idea of him in Cincinnati. Knowing I got Mondesi, I was trying to get myself power, and I've tried not to get myself any negative batting average guys because I'll right now I've got Rukneto Door out there as a dollar bid. And I've, we're halfway through, and he's still out there for a buck. And I kind of knew that going into this, I'm like, I'm going to have to take some dollar players somewhere, probably. And Odor is one of my favorite in-game guys to grab. And I, I've thought about the, this whole draft and trying to got, not get anybody that's going to hurt me in batting average. So that he, I don't have any great batting average guys except Brantley. So I'm, but I've got a lot of you know guys that should be all right in that department. So. Well, by oh. the time the pot, by the time this podcast posts, Odor will be zero for four. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, already hurt, already hurt, already hurt in your batting average. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, hey, at least he walks a little bit more now, so maybe he'll be zero for four with a walk and a steal. Yeah, that's the hope. But I love auctions. Do you do any baseball auctions, Andrew? How long has it been since you've done? I hit. I have. It's been a couple of years. I don't. I haven't done any the last couple of years. I'd say, I don't remember. Two or three years, probably. It'd be fun to get somebody on. Chris Winder mentioned that he's like, maybe I need to redeem myself because the podcast we had him on a couple about a month or two back, it was our most downloaded podcast for a while, and it just got topped by the first of the three outfield episodes. So Chris is no longer on top. He's like, maybe I need to come back on and we can talk auctions. Maybe I think he. Mostly wants to get his perch back, but maybe one of these times we can we'll do ourselves an auction podcast. It's kind of hard to talk about them because every auction is different. But yeah. that said, they're so much fun. I absolutely love doing auctions. My, one of my favorite things to do draft wise. Well, next week we've we're going to talk relievers, and I do want to bring up that I'm going to be out of town early next week, so we probably won't have a podcast until late next week but we do plan on getting relievers done and i think after that andrew isn't next week you should be finishing up with all of your first year player drafts yeah 
started one on Sunday, one on Monday, and one Thursday, and then Sunday. So, yeah, there's four here in, like, basically all starting and finishing within probably, like, 10, 11 days. And then I've got a regular draft right at the end there next Wednesday. So, it's crazy. Got two going on right now, and... <laughs> Yeah, just a lot, the, lot going on. So the storm has begun. Yeah, yeah. I've got my one auction going on right now, and then by the end of this week, I'll have Rotomasters two. That starts. That that'll be going on, and then this weekend, I've got my other auction le- or Dynasty League it starts on Sunday. So it's going to be a crazy week, and then we got TGFBI coming up here in the next couple weeks, also. And the oh yeah, and the baseball three sixty five draft and holds. So yeah, no sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But that's all right. Oh, I I almost forgot to tell my favorite part of this auction story. Um, you know, we all joke in these auctions about how you're not going to get any sleep for a couple of days, and there's just a lot of excitement. If for those of you who don't play, have never played in a slow auction, you there's like a 12 hour clock on a player, and once it gets under nine hours. If somebody tops your bid that you have on this player, it goes back to nine hours. And each of us have two bids out at the same time that we know, or two nominations. So there's 30 guys on a board showing. So there's a lot going on, especially that first day or two. Bids are getting topped everywhere. And people joke that you're just not going to get any sleep because if you sleep too long at night, you might even miss out on some opportunities if you sleep for nine or ten hours. Or if you don't check it right before you go to bed. And, you know, that first, the auction started last Friday and Saturday morning. I went on and set an alarm for 6 a.m., which I never do. But I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to miss something that morning. So my alarm goes off. My wife's over there hitting me, trying to get me to hit the alarm to turn it off. And a couple hours later, she, when we get up, she's like, why did you have an alarm go off this morning? And I had to tell her. <laughs> I'm like, I had a What'd fantasy you... baseball auction going on. What'd she say to that? She wasn't pleased. Well, I'll just put it that way. Woman who's, tr- we, you know, we've got our daughter who still is nursing. That's, you know, keeping her up sometimes before she goes to bed. And she, you know, Saturday's the sleep-in day. And she's getting woken up at 6 a.m. because I have a baseball auction going on that I don't want to miss. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't remember exactly what she said, but I can tell you she was it, it wasn't a oh okay, that's great. <laughs> I didn't get that response. <laughs> yeah, def- yeah, definitely wouldn't be that. Oh uh, man. I think a line that I heard from her this afternoon, because I've joined a few new leagues and I'm talking about drafts coming up to her, I mentioned today. She's like, Aren't you supposed to only be doing four leagues? Because now I think I'm up to six or seven, and I'm I'm just like trying to change the subject immediately. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah. So how are you doing? How are you feeling? You were sick <laughs> a couple of days. How are you? Are you feeling better today? That literally is what I did. The next thing that came out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, but it's fantasy baseball, and it's what we love, and this is the a great season for it as we're doing drafts. It's a fun season. 
Oh yeah. This is it this is great. I I tell you, I was thinking about it the other I just absolutely love first year player draft time. Like mm-hmm. I just love I love it because I feel like it's just so fun. I love the prospects and it's so fun and it's one of those things where if you screw it up the true impact of screwing up a first year player draft isn't that great. You know, it's just it's not like your team is ruined or anything like that. And I don't know. It's just it's like you can kind of play the cards you want to play and just it happen, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. And like, it's not, you know, regular drafts when you're just doing your redraft leagues or I guess to a lesser extent, your startup dynasties, but thinking more about redrafts, it's like, if you screw those drafts up, you got to live with it all season. Your team sucks. Mm-hmm. But in first year player drafts, I just, the, the impact of screwing it up is so much less. So I, I don't know. I just love them. And you know, you know, a lot with the redrafts, we know a lot of the players. We may do some digging and find out some things and find guys that we think are good values here and there. But these first year player drafts, we're learning a lot late late in the year that I mean, I, I personally going into the offseason, I usually don't know hardly anything about these prospects. It's not until the offseason comes and start listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of material out there and looking on Twitter at stuff before I start really starting to learn these guys and the first year player drafts kind of like the culmination of it all where you've done all this work preparing and now you're finally getting to make the selections to get these guys to where yeah that's an exciting feeling yeah it's cool just so anybody who's interested in the first year player draft podcast we're going to be doing it'll probably probably be in i think two weeks roughly Yes. But I am working on a spreadsheet, which I actually originally started doing for, for just me to keep track of who was available in which league and stuff. But I've kind of extended it now to make the ADP because we're, what we're going to do on the podcast is go through and go off of the ADP from drafts and i've started making the adp sheet already i'm using right now i have seven leagues on there i've only got there's only three of them that have started but at the end of it there's going to be seven and there i'm probably going to add one two three more it'll probably end up being eight to ten leagues but i've got an adp spreadsheet and i'm going to wind up posting it in the baseball 365 group when we post the podcast once all these drafts are over to give everybody kind of like an adp of the first year player draft guys over these you know eight to ten leagues it'll probably wind up being so it should be really cool i'm just kind of working on it as i go and obviously it's just gonna fill up more and more as these leagues finish drafting so but yeah it's exciting it's cool yeah Good stuff to look forward to. We got that going on. Shortly afterwards, Andrew will have a top 100 prospects coming out. I'm going to make a top 100 Dynasty League rankings. So we got a lot of good stuff coming up as we're finishing up on position player rankings, and we still got pictures to do. But there's going to be a lot of fun and fun stuff coming up. So oh, yeah. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, do so. 
well, you get all kinds of good dynasty talk over the next couple weeks. And if you haven't played in a dynasty league, I couldn't recommend it more. Yeah, I just, join, join the group. There's all kinds of leagues flying up on the boards lately. It seems like I played dynasty. I played fantasy baseball for from 2002 to 2015 without being in a dynasty league. Just a couple shallow home keeper leagues, and I finally chose to give it a give it a try in 2016. And I'm only in two dynasties. I try to keep it from getting too many. I might get in one more over the next couple of years, but. They are so much fun and add so much to fantasy baseball. And especially in the offseason, you get to keep working on your team and trying to talk trades. There's nothing like it. They're fantasy baseball, dynasty leagues. If you haven't done it, you should join the group and try finding one. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Any final words, Andrew? Nope. That'll do it. That's pretty much what I was going to say at the end with the ADP stuff and I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening again and we will be back next week to talk relief pictures. Take care everybody. Yeah. Take care guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.